Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Guys, as we tackle tonight's study, let me remind you what we talked about last week, okay? I want to kind of give you a run and go. If you recall, John is given a glimpse, if you will, of the false religious system that's going to plague the world in the final days of the Great Tribulation, okay? So last week, we discovered there were four things. Actually, there were six things about this false religion, Now, the first thing we noticed was her name, okay? We talked about the mystery Babylon, the mother of harlots, and we talked about this false religious system is going to be one of idolatry, okay? Seeking more humanism, right? And what is humanism? Is when you minimize God and exalt men, okay? So that's what they're doing right here. And so we see that, and and we're going to see that happening more and more as we go throughout the world. Now, this here is at the end of our tribulation. This is at the very end, okay? Millions of people have died. Millions of people are being tortured. I mean, it's just, this is just not a good place to be, right? But this false religious system. Now, the one thing we saw, it says in verse 2, and it says, whom the kings of the earth committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth were made, what, drunk with the wine of her fornication. Now, the New Living Translation says it like this. The kings of the world have committed adultery with her, and the people who belong to this world have been made drunk with the wine of her immorality. And so again, we see that this is, this is what's going on. This false religious system. Why? We know that people are going to be and always have been spiritual. The problem with being spiritual is that's not necessarily the truth of the Bible. And so we go, okay, so that's going to be set up, okay? Remember what happens to us, guys, whenever we get real emotional, whenever we get into a um, just a situation in life that's really hard, a trial or tribulation. A lot of times people will come to know the Lord when they've gone through something really, really bad in their lives. Oh, I, I'm really messed up. This is going on. This is broken. This is, I probably should go to church. And we come to church and, oh, that's what I need. I need Jesus. And then what happens is I've seen so many people in this little church give their lives to the Lord because life was falling apart. And as soon as it got better, they walked away from God. Well, think about a world that is just broken completely. Think about a world to where your best friend is gone, your best friend was a Christian, they're gone, they're raptured, and you're here. What's the one thing? You're going to turn to God. And so the enemy knows this. And if you don't find Jesus, you're going to find spirituality, you're going to find a religion that goes, hey, wait, let's talk about this. And we're going to see, guys, that how it's going to be more syncretism, how we're going to have a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a buffet of all kinds of religion just to make people happy. It's called humanism because nobody wants guilt. Nobody wants guilt. A lot of times the beauty of the Holy Spirit in our lives is conviction when we do something wrong and we're just like, oh, okay, Lord, you're right. I, I shouldn't do that. The second thing we saw, Lord, guys, last week is we saw that she was known as the great harlots, the mother of harlots, okay? So it seemed right here we learned that it was to indicate that this is not talking about one specific religion. Again, remember, but a compilation of many, 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 many. We talked about that. 
and a little bit of good stuff here and don't give me the guilt and don't give me the conviction and don't give me um, I can't do this and I can't do that and shame on you and I don't even want to be obedient to it but I'll, I'll, I'll just serve it and we saw that. Last week, guys, last Wednesday, we talked about the religious system has a universal influence, which means that it says, I saw the woman sitting on many waters. And in verse 15, we saw what that means exactly. Uh, Revelation 17, 15 says, Then he said to me, The waters which you saw where the harlot sits are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. So, guys, it's not just locally. And again, for you and I, when we're really looking at the scriptures and we realize that this false religious system is going to have, what, a universal influence, here's what we got to remember. I don't understand in, a, in our current pandemic, when numbers go up in one area, it goes up all around the world. Like, like the numbers in COVID started going up in August, but it wasn't just like, hey, in central Texas, or hey, you know what, the, the populated areas of Dallas. Guys, when the numbers went up, it went up worldwide. And it's something's just not right. When I think, I don't understand. And I'll tell you why. We're doing the same things that we've done for the last 18 months, yet the numbers are going through the roof. Which leads me to believe, guys, that again, it's not going to be just, it's not going to be localized, guys. It's going to have a universal, if you will, guys, a, a, a universal influence all around the world. You're going to be part of a church that's going to be, not us, not you guys. They're going to be part of a church that's all worldwide. All worshiping the same, but not worshiping God. Not worshiping God. The fourth thing we learned, and you guys can go back if you hadn't uh, heard that last week. Uh, one of the things we noticed is for where she seated. Where is she seated? It says she's seated upon the beast, and this speaks of how she's going to be riding on his power. And she's going to use the Antichrist to gain power, acceptance, and following. So she's going to be rubbing elbows, if you will, with the Antichrist, but he in turn is going to be using her as well. Okay? So you're going to see how all of this is going to play in. Now, you won't. We've read it, but we're going to be out of here. But, I mean, I could not imagine what was going to... I can't. My brain, my mind can't think of how that's going to look. He goes, why? Because, guys, remember what we talked about even with the trumpets. I mean, all of the ocean is gone. It's, it, all the animals are dead. The, wa- the fresh water, the trees are burnt. The earth is just... It's a, it's a crazy mess. We also realized one big thing too, number five, is the false religious system is wealthy. In verse four, it says, the woman that was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having her hand and hand in the golden cup full of the abomination and the filthiness of her fornication. So it's going to be wealthy. Number six, here's what I find interesting. She is going to pursue, when I say she, the false religious system is going to pursue the tribulation saints, this mother of harlots. Okay, now remember, the church is gone. The church is gone. Can I get a good amen? Okay, and there are going to be many who give their lives to Christ. Okay, there are going to be many who give their lives to Christ. Many will die a horrible death and basically due to their alliance with Jesus. And that's not enough. Many are going to be tortured for their faith. Okay, now... 
It's not just, hey, listen, we're raptured. Boom. We're out of here. You hear the trumpet. We're, you know what? I mean, think about what's going to go down. I mean, not to mention, here's what scares me. We have, we all have loved ones that are not saved. They're not saved. They're just not saved. And I hope they're not part of the initial, well, they're killed during the initial part of what's going to happen in the rapture. But I will tell you this, God is so merciful, even today, the people who are not saved are being told by other people, hey, you got to get right with God. And you got to understand, what God does in the world is not so we go, oh, wow, I'm not going to get my vacation, Melanie, I'm not going to get it. And That's not what it's about. He's going, listen, boom, listen, wake up. Hey, 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 listen, the alarm's going off. We need to be ready. And not only do we need to be ready, but we need to be telling others about God. We need to be sharing the love of Christ. Okay? We need it. We need to have a good testimony. Listen, it's all about attitude. It's all about our attitude in this world. Uh, I was talking to Bethany a little bit earlier, and I loved her attitude about, about a horrible thing she went through. Why? Because she goes, I know, I know God's going to use this. I know it was a, it was for a reason. Now, if it was me, I'd be like, I can't believe this. We gotta have that attitude. The Christian attitude is going, Lord, you've got this. And I don't know why this happens. I'm not even gonna question why. I find it interesting that if you're reading the Bible with us, we're in the book of Job, and it was the same thing. Until Job shows up, until God shows up, and he's like, hey, Job, I gotta ask you a question. And at that point, you know what Job does? I'm out. Lord, you win. I should, I don't even know what I was. And, and the Lord, the Lord just really lays it out there. And then it goes into where Job gets blessed two times more than he ever had. And I don't think that's why Job went through that. He just said, he just said, I'm not sure what's going on. But they will be tortured, guys. They'll be tortured. She's going to persecute and murder those who get in her way. In verse 6, it says, And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints. Can you imagine? And with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And I saw her, and I marveled with great amazement. This is what John said. John says, I marveled with great amazement. Okay? So the question we got to ask is, why is John so amazed? Why was, I mean, John has seen more stuff than he could even, he could even imagine. But you've got to ask the question, why, why is, is he so amazed? He's seen crazy things up until now. Well, listen, his amazement comes from her, how violently opposed this false religion will be to, to those who find and follow the truth. He's amazed. He's like, are you kidding me? Okay. Your attention, please. As believers, while we're here, we are probably going to be persecuted for our faith. Okay? There is going to be an attack on our Christianity, on our beliefs. Right now, it's already starting. We cannot go back and go, oh, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. Um, well, why are you doing that? This is America. This is, this is the land of the free and home of the brave. And it's, it's, we're not there anymore. We're not there anymore. Well, Pastor, why are you so passionate about this? Guys, I'm telling you. I'm telling you, we can see this, and John's amazed that this false religious system is going to be finding those who follow the truth and persecuting them. 
And the Lord is so good to give us a preview so that we can have hearts that are right before him. But I want you to think about this. Think about this today. You go, what's that? How many of you realize that we have so much false news? False news out there, right? And um, you even know throughout the last few months, there have been false news about something we hoped would happen. All right, if you guys just, you know what I mean? And, and something that would give us hope never came to pass. We have to be so careful. Because sometimes we'll be, we'll get a, we'll get a report and it's like, hey, this is going to happen or this is going to change or watch out for this. We're going to be back and we're, America's back, baby. And then we wait and the day goes by and you see, we're September 1st. And everything that was being done in Georgia and Arizona, I mean, we don't hear anything of that anymore. And so again, I think, what is, what, what is true anymore? What is, what is true? But I do know this. I know we have the Holy Spirit to help us discern the truth. Okay? But John says it will be an all-out evil coming for those who get saved during that time. Back in the 80s and then when I first got saved, guys, there were people who literally said, well, you know what, I think I'll take my chances in the tribulation. I'm going to live life to the fullest and then, you know what, I'll get saved during the tribulation. And then you had your, you had your friends who mocked you and they said, ah, oh, I don't want to go to heaven anyway. All my friends are going to be in hell and we're going to party in hell. Like, I heard all of that. You know what, I don't hear that today. I either hear I'm a believer or I am against God. I don't hear anybody going, no, I'll, 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 I'll take my chances in the tribulation. They're either going, Mm-mm, I'm anti-God, I don't want anything to do with God, or they're coming to faith. They're coming to faith. They're coming to faith. Guys, we need to do our part to share the love of Jesus. He's not asking you to be perfect, but he's asking you to share the love of Jesus. You guys got to understand that I've come from a long line of a huge religious family, a religious family that if you were to change, that you would actually be persecuted, condemned, outcast. You understand that? And so for me to go after my family, like my brothers and, and my cousin, that's unheard of. Because there's a strong-rooted religious grip on there. But you know what? I can't, I can't take it anymore. I've got to say, you've got to, you've got to be saved. You come and hear me preach. And I'll let the Spirit do the work. And guys, people are getting saved. God is still moving mightily. God is still moving lively. And that, guys, is where we pick up our study. Okay? John is amazed at John is amazed, and the angel's asking him, dude, why are you marveling? What, what, what are you, what, what are you at? Now, very quickly, John saw this incredible vision, and tonight we're going to consider the interpretation. So we're going to pick it up in verse 8 in your Bibles. It says this, John writes, but the angel said to me, why did you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and the beast that carries her, which has seven heads and ten horns, the beast you saw was and is not and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And those who dwell on the earth will marvel, whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. When they see the beast that was and is not and yet is. Now, 
That is a mouthful. This is what he said. This, let me tell you what this is all about. Now, there's some things that jump out at me that should ju- jump out at you with passion and, and just, you go, what is it? Well, first and foremost, guys, do you realize it says this? It says, and those who dwell on the earth will marvel. You know what I hope it said? Those on the earth would repent. But it's not. They're going to marvel at this beast. Wow. Wow. You know why they're marveling, guys? Because their names are not written in the book, in the Lamb's book of life. Whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. And when they see the beast, notice that was and is not, and yet is. Now, if you have a pencil handy, go ahead. uh, You can underline that because you would go, hey, what does this mean exactly? What is that phrase? What does this mean? Well, it's quite possible, guys, and this is just possibility, that John is saying, I've seen him before, that we've seen him before. You go, what do you mean? Well, basically, in fact, some Bible commentators believe that there have been times throughout history where Satan himself has possessed a leader to do great evil. You go, like who? Well, the first one we would definitely look at is Caesar Nero. Okay? At this point. Paul had an opportunity to witness to Nero, and the dude flipped out. Who else? Another one might be Adolf Hitler. You're like, "Mm mm-hmm. Well, who else? Well, let me, I just put here, question mark, question mark, question mark, and I'll let you decide what that means. But I think there's somebody else that's being used, and it could be easily possessed. You see, if we go back to... Caesar Nero or Adolf Hitler, those guys were super charismatic, weren't they? And at first, they didn't seem weird or demented. But eventually, guys, they were discovered to actually be that. In fact, the case of Nero, we recall in Scripture, Acts chapter 25, verse 11, as Paul appealed his case to Nero, history tells us that after Paul met with him and no doubt preached the gospel, History reports that Nero went on a rampage and actually became a madman. Do you know what Nero used to do? Nero used to take Christians, professing Christians, he would then impale them, dip them in pitch, and light them on fire to light his way as he went with with his chariot around his kingdom. That's what he did. Guys, the beast, this beast will soon come out of the bottomless pit and go to eternal destruction. And the people who belong to this world, whose names are not written in the book of life before the world was made, will be amazed at the reappearance of this beast who had died. Who had died. So let's talk about the Lamb's book of life for just a minute. Okay? Let's talk about the book of life. The book of life is mentioned eight times as the book of life in the scriptures. Seven of those times in Revelation, only those who are written in the book of life will gain access to heaven and that future new earth written in the book of life. 
The name of every human born into this world is written in the book of life. And we're told in Revelation 17.8, it says, They that dwelled on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. You go, Ben, what are you talking about? Well, our God is infinite knowledge, and there's nothing that he does not know. He has a book, and in that book, the names of all are written in the book from the foundation of the world. Now, think about this. When you reject salvation by faith in God, and if you were in here on Sunday, Soph said salvation is in faith alone. See, you didn't think I listened to it. I listened to you, brother. I think the moment, guys... When you reject God by faith, he can actually erase or blot your name out of his book. And I believe that all are in the book of life at birth, but can be blotted out of that book because of sin and unbelief. How sad is that? The place where your name should be is erased. One of the most weightiest verses and chapters we're going to talk about on Sunday. When it said, many, many came to him and said, Lord, Lord, didn't we do ministry in your name? Didn't we do this in your name? Didn't we cast out demons? And you know what the Lord says? He says, depart from me. And and here's the key word you need to remember for Sunday. I never knew you. In other words, he didn't say, oh, yeah, I knew you, and and then you left me. He says, I never even knew you. Well, it goes on in verse 9. It says, here's the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are the seven mountains on which the woman sits. Now, there are several ideas to what this is talking about, okay? Why? Why? Because seven heads are seven mountains. Some believe this is talking about Rome, right? Because Rome was known as the city of seven hills. Okay? So you're talking about Rome. But it also says there are seven kings. Five have fallen, verse 10. One is and the other has not yet come. And he comes, he must continue for a short time. Okay? Sometimes, listen, in prophecy, we will have what we call a dual prophecy. And it happened during the time of John writing as well. It will help in, help a little bit later. Now, here's what I need to do. So I don't thoroughly confuse you. Let me give you two school of thoughts on this verse. Okay? And it's important we take notes. Why? Because if you're taking notes, the seven kings equal the seven Roman empires. Remember, we talked about that. Okay? We had five fallen starting with Julius Caesar, went to Tiberius Caesar, Calgulia, Claudius, and all of these were murdered. The fifth was Caesar Nero, and he committed suicide. So according to history, these are five who have fallen, and one would be Domitian. He has the power at the end of John's writing, if you will, okay? And the one who is yet to come, well, that would be obviously the Antichrist, okay, during the church system. Now, there's a problem with this interpretation. Why? Well, first of all, the line of Caesars didn't stop at Domitian, okay? He he was followed by Diocletian, who was very wicked and reigned all the way to Constantine. So, you go, okay, there's a a little 
problem with this. Now, although Rome has always been known as the city of seven hills, mountains in Scripture are often used symbolically to speak of kingdoms. Okay, okay. That's the first school of thought. The second school of thought says the seven mountains speak of seven previous governing kingdoms, five of which have fallen, starting with the first was Egypt, and then it was Babylon, then it was Assyria, then it was the Medo-Persia, or the Medes and the Persia, which was followed by Greece. All of these five had fallen, and one is. Who comes after Greece was the great power at the time of John's writing was Rome. So you go, okay, so Egypt and Babylon, Assyria, the Medo-Persian and Greece, and then Rome, as John writes this. And he says, one is yet to come. Of course, he's referring to the kingdom of the Antichrist. That's the second school of thought. Now, the ten-nation confederacy that's going to come into power in these last days, and we did a teaching on that, like who, based on on um, global... Uh, currency or art of, I mean, all of this that we, I, I can't remember them all, but I know it had to do with what, what the world leaders are talking about. All 10 of them guys are going to come into power in the last days. And that's going to make up basically, basically a revived Roman empire. Okay. This is going to be a world governing power similar to nature to the six previous empires that are all going to trace their roots back to Babel. Man governing his own terms. Man doing things his way. Man thinking he's better than God and really saying, I have no need for God. That's what's going down. That's what's happening. Okay? Now, if you want a reference for that, jot this down. Because the school of thought is actually found here in Daniel chapter 2 and Daniel chapter 7, right? Because you guys recall the story. In Daniel chapter 2, King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. You remember it was a giant statue that represented these empires of the past. And in Daniel chapter 7, Daniel sees four beasts. We learned in Revelation 13 that John sees four beasts that are similar to the beast that Daniel saw. Okay, four beasts, four world empires. Starting with Babylon, he saw a lion. Okay, the Medo-Persian was a bear. Greece was a leopard. And then he says the last, the Roman Empire, were the ten horns with seven heads. Okay, all combined in appearing in the last days in a restored form of the Roman Empire. So we must today keep our eyes on Europe. Keep your eyes on what's going on. Is there a coalition forming? Or is that might be after us? But we know that they're going to consist of a ten-nation confederacy, which is, which is what the ten horns represent. In Daniel's vision, the little horn rises up from the ten, and he knocks off three which seem to fit better. Now, after a short time, the Antichrist governing the revived Roman Empire will rise in prominence and we become a world dictator. Daniel chapter 7, the little horn knocks off three of the kings and that's what's seen as the political power struggle. Okay? Now, think about this. Think about the revived Roman Empire, but let's just say for the sake of argument, I'm going to step to the side of the pulpit because it's just my opinion. 
What if part of the world-governing powers, this revived Roman European nation, was someone very powerful like Russia or different other world-governing, like, like, I mean, just some world powers. I mean, it's, you're going to see the political struggle and the Antichrist step up and knock these guys out. And it goes on here in verses 11 through 13, and it says, And the beast that was and was not is himself also the eighth, and is of the seven, and is going into perdition. The ten horns which you saw, now he's giving the interpretation, are ten kings who received no kingdom as yet, but they received authority for one hour as the kings with the beast. These are of one mind, and they will give their power and authority to the beast. Now listen, what did, what did John just say? He said these ten kings are going to give over, they're going to give their power over to the Antichrist. Okay? They're going to give their power over to the Antichrist. For what? Verse 14 says, And they will make war with the Lamb. The Lamb will overcome them, for he is the Lord of lords, King of kings, and those who are with them are called chosen and faithful. So each of these kings, guys, are going to come and go, listen, we're going to line up in alliance with you for one purpose. What's that purpose? No king, no president, no world leader is going to give up their authority, is going to give up their power at all, unless there's one common goal. What's that? It's, it says it right here. It's going to make war with the lamb, and the lamb's going to overcome them. Okay, it's going to make war. This is where we're going to get into the place where of Armageddon. This is going to be the final battle. Somebody asked me the other day, hey, um, I was reading Revelation and it's really kind of confusing. I said, yeah, that's because you've got to have your fast forward button. You've got to have your rewind button. You've got to know when it's in heaven and what's on earth and how he's talking at a dual prophecy. It's so important that we really grasp what's going on, guys, because this is what he said. He says, ultimately, guys, these guys are going to try. Now, here's what I'm just, I don't understand. Because the last four verses, we discover the ruin of this religious system by the Lamb. By the Lamb. Why? Well, notice what it said. He says, these will make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them. Now, let me tell you how the Battle of Armageddon is going to go. You ready? Let's going to start the bell. Ding! Done. That's how fast it's going to be. It's over. But they're somehow going to be deceived that they can fight against God. And the enemy will do that. The enemy will do that. Look at verse 15. Then he said to me, the waters which you saw, of course we saw that, are the, where the harlots sit, are the peoples, multitude, nations, and tongues. Now, the word of God interpreting the word of God. Waters and nations of the world, the multitudes. Okay? Now, I don't know how many billions are on the world, but we know that right at, right towards the end of, well, right in the middle of the tribulation, guys, there's about four billion people killed. And that's conservative. It's probably more. But you're still going to have multitudes on the earth that have not given their life to God. They're going to take the mark. They're going to join in alliance with the Antichrist, with the beast, with the false prophet. Okay? 
there are three specific areas this kingdom is going to set up in. One of them is political. Political. Okay? That's how you're going to win that. Political. Number two is going to be religious. Religious, we're saying that. They're going to set up a false religion. The false prophets are going to come in and set up this one world, uh, synchronistic, if you will, false religion that people are just going to chomp and be like, yeah, that's, that's what I want to be part of. And they will worship the beast. Why will they worship the beast? Well, church, listen to me. In all sincerity, we're created to worship. We're created, and if, and if we don't worship the one true God, we will find things to worship. Your DNA, the Imago Dei, when God created you in his image, he created you to worship. And I love the fact that he gives us free will on whom to worship. Because he doesn't sit there and go, okay, I created you. You need to worship me and me only. He wants to give you because love is not, is not constraint. Love is not telling you what you need to do. Love is, uh, you and I soaring love when we worship God freely. And, and when it comes to worshiping, we have to be so careful. You've heard me say this a hundred times, guys. There are a lot of good things in our lives, and we have to be careful because when we take good things and we make them ultimate, then we're created, we're, we're worshiping them. They're idols. They're idols in our heart. We have to be careful. I got a, I got a message today from my good friend Owen. Owen's from, um, Amarillo, and he was, he was just asking a pretty profound question, a question that really shook him up. And I, and I get it. I get it. They, they, part of the question was, was, hey, listen, we're living in some crazy times. He said, there might be an op, there might be a time when some unwanted people come into our city and, you know, what if they were to put a gun to my wife's head and to ask me to denounce Christ? And if they don't, if I don't, then they're going to kill her. He goes, that really shook me up. That really shook me up. He said, I love God. I would never deny Christ, but I would, wouldn't want to see this. And I said, Owen, I, I understand that. And I said, and, and, and God is good. And, um, and I told him what Pastor Chuck always used to tell us. He said, never exchange what we don't know. Right. Never, never worry about things that we, that we don't know for things that we do know. And we know that that's not happening today, and we don't need to worry about it and get all stressed out. But here's the thing: we have to be so good. And 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 Nathalie and I have had this conversation. You know, there might become a time that that preaching the word of God is going to be against the law, and there might be a time where your pastor goes to jail for preaching the word of God. And Nathalie and I have had this conversation to where you understand that I would have, I mean, I'm going to go to jail. I'm, this is my calling. And you go, well, Ben, 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 stop. you love your wife. You, you, you love your wife. And I've already had that conversation. Now, my wife and my relationship, that's a good thing. But I need to be careful not to make it ultimate. So the question you've got to ask yourself is, what's good in my life that, I'm, that's, that I can make ultimate? It's one thing for you to say, I love my husband. I love you. I love you, babe. I love you, honey. I love you. But you've got to always remember God is first. I love God. I love God. And that's the reason that relationships work. Relationships work because you love God more than you love him. 
You love God more than you love her. And that's what makes relations. Because what he's attracted to, what she's attracted to is the God in you. That's what it is. How do we know? Because if you've been married after a long period of time, all the looks start to go. Come on, somebody. All the looks start to go. And you go, man, you weren't the woman I married 45 years ago, right? No, you're... But it's the God that you go, oh, I'm still... Oh, I'm still trying. She's just... She's beautiful. Why? Because she loves Jesus. She loves Jesus. That's what's attracting you and keeps you there. Number two, I don't know how we got off on relationships, but number two, think about this. If your husband loves God, loves God, loves God, he's never going to cheat on you because he loves God. Now, he loves you too, but you understand he's accountable to God first. Your wife is never going to cheat on you because she loves God. You go, well, it's happened. I'm talking about an ultimate fulfilling, hey, I love God and I want to please him. That's what relationships are built on. That's why he says, Solomon says, we need to have a three-folded cord, me, my wife, and God. And he's always at the center. Once you ask God to stay outside, man, there's problems in the marriage. Come on, somebody. Verse 16. The ten horns which you saw on the beast, these will hate the harlot and make her desolate and naked and eat her flesh and burn her with fire. We saw that last week, right? We talked a little bit about it. Now, I find this interesting, and you go, why? Why do we read here that these kings are going to hate the woman? Or should I say hate the false religious system? Why are, they, why are these like governing going to hate this? Well, let me give you two scenarios. Number one... It's possible that she just used them to gain power and acceptance for the Antichrist and their nations and their people. They were just used. That's one scenario. And they realized, man, we just got used. We got burned. All our people are following. That's one. Number two, they realized that they have been trapped by her. How so? They followed her leading into embracing and jumping in bed with the Antichrist, and now they're trapped. They're trapped. Now, remember, we're, it says ten horns and ten... But remember, we're dealing with ten what? Ten presidents, ten leaders of a nation. And much, much like the man, when he goes into a harlot and he comes up with the disease, they have been infected with the disease that they can't get rid of. They have been infected. Okay? So, consequently, that is one reason for their hatred of the harlot. And because of the religious system, guys, they serve their purpose on getting into the power of the Antichrist, and they, no have, no have, they have no longer need for her. Now, we've talked about political, and we've talked about religion. We're back in here. But also, too, there's coming what? There's coming a one-world currency, okay, monetarily. Right? And you can see that little by little. And if you talk to Mike Shaw or Mike O'Reilly and some of these younger kids, there is a cryptocurrency that's on the horizon right now. And that's going to be taken over. But see, what, what's the difference between that? That's a global. That's going to be a global currency. 
So what are you saying? You know those $100 bills you have in your pocket? They're not going to be worth anything. You know your credit card won't be worth anything. It's all going to be global, and we're going to see that next week in chapter 18. We're going to see where there is that coming, and it's going to be, it's going to be amazing. Now you go, well, Ben, when did we see that? Well, do you remember when our pandemic first hit? Do you remember? Even today, I've gone into some, as I'm traveling to New Mexico, I stop in Clovis, and I always get a coffee, and, and on the sign, it says, it says, use a card or exact change. Like, they don't want to give you change back. You guys saw that. You saw early on, it said, there's a coin shortage. And, and you're like, there, it's, 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 it's a little bit of conditioning to get us away from that. Now, we went through the whole gamut of practical reasons why there should be one currency. Okay? Or, or cashless society, let me say that. And we talk about fraud, we talk about identity theft, we talked about rob, we talked about drugs, we talked about all of that. But what we didn't talk about, guys, is now that's being introduced even now. A global currency. So, here's the point. The point is, this past year, we've been through the ringer politically, have we not? We've been politically, you guys see that all over, all over. The left and the right are fighting and blah, 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 blah. And I mean, and, and everything that was set up biblically is being undone. We see, we, we're going to see a false religious system. We see an attack on the church. We see an attack on the church. And then we're going to see next week, next week, guys, we're going to see a, a, a one-world monetary system. So in verses um, 8 to 18, we basically saw the Word of God, and then he interprets the Word of God. This is what it is. This is what it is. This is what it is. Okay, let me give it to you in a nutshell as we close, okay? And we're going to spend some time in worship. We're going to spend some time in just communion. But let me just, um, let me just remind you, okay? Let me remind you. Um, as we prepare our hearts for communion. The first thing I want to leave you with, guys, is um, we need to be looking for Jesus Christ, not the Antichrist. He's out there. We don't need to worry about that. We don't need to worry about that. And a part of that, guys, if you get if you get uh, if you get sent videos, and this person's talking, and this person's talking, and this is what's going on in the world, guys, make sure you filter that through the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, tell me what's true and what's not true. Tell me what I need to be watching, what I not need to be watching. I want to be looking for you. You go. How do I know? Well, the one thing we want to do, guys, is we want to we want to spend more time in the Word of God than watching videos because part of that is we don't know if they're true or not. We don't know if they're true. Yeah, but didn't you tell us to keep our eye on, on, on Europe and the... Yeah, just keep your eye there. You'll know. But don't get caught up in that. Number two. Number two. People were made to worship. 
they will worship. Okay? You and I are called to worship the one true God in spirit and in truth. We're called to worship. Number three, keep in mind, what's that, Ben? Satan is always a counterfeit. He always has, and he will always try to counterfeit everything that God has set up. You know that's coming. So with an understanding of chapter 17 and the false worship, here's what we should do. You ready? Number one, have a heart of compassion for the lost. Have a heart of compassion for the lost. We should let our hearts break and burn for those who don't know him. God will give us opportunities to share. God will give us opportunities, but we should have a heart that breaks. And finally, God so desires a real relationship with him. What we learned today is all about religion. A humanistic, syncretist religion. That's false. But God says, no, that's not what I desire. I desire a real relationship with him. So as we pray, let's prepare our hearts for communion. And as we worship the Lord, guys, I really want to, I mean, we've got, we've got plenty of time. Let's just really worship the Lord. And when you're ready, you just can come up. You can pray together as a family. You can do whatever you need to do. But, but let's just worship God. Worship God. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for warning us. We thank you for prophecy. And Lord, that you say, all this is going to happen. Lord Jesus, I know that we're seeing little fragments, little remnants of what's about to come. Lord, I know that um, I know reading the Bible, Lord, is like reading the newspaper. So God, help us to get our eyes on you. Forgive us of our sin, Lord. Fill us with your spirit, Lord. We want to do we want to do above and beyond what you've asked us to do, God. We want to follow you. So Lord, as we prepare our hearts for communion, may we be reminded that as we worship, that our hearts even now are being prepared. Lord, to receive and to share and to be thankful and to have an attitude of gratitude, God, and to love you. Lord, even now we're confessing our sins. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for our attitudes. Forgive us for our hard-heartedness. Forgive us for the things that we think about. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us for being ungodly, Lord. Will you cleanse us from all unrighteousness and ungodliness, God? 
Lord, we come to the table pure and holy, God, confessing our sins to you. May this be a celebration, God, because, Lord, even now, on the Wednesday night in September, Lord, that, that we, may, we may do it again, but in heaven. I mean, you could come back tonight, God. Father, we don't want to go through the motions. We don't just want to do communion. We want to, we want to worship you. We want to glorify you. And if you're here, if you're here this evening and you need prayer and you just want somebody to pray with, then we'd be happy to pray with you. If you just want to worship and, and just spend time, the communion elements are here. And um, let's just let our hearts settle in. Let, let the day's thoughts, the day's events just, just go by the wayside. Just focus on him. Jesus is here, so how would you worship him? Jesus is here, and you're about to partake in his death, burial, and resurrection, and soon return. And so God is calling us to worship. God is calling us to worship. We love you, Lord. We confess. We repent. We turn to you, God. Have mercy on us. In Jesus' name. Let's worship, guys, and when you're ready, come on up. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.